Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, a trauma-informed spiritual mentor, certified meditation teacher, and human design expert. I'm empowering empaths three times a week in recovery and healing from narcissistic abuse, childhood trauma through human design, self-care, mindfulness advice, and expert interviews. This is Season 5, Episode 42, How to Embrace Your Empath Superpowers Through Your Passion and Rise Up Out of the Ashes from the Narcissist. The only you there is, and that is your superpower. So I feel like, you know, if the more we understand ourselves, the more we know ourselves, the more we can stand in that true power. And it's accepting ourselves fully and, again, shining that beautiful light out to the world because I think everyone deserves to feel their most fullest, their most strongest, their most beautiful, their most powerful self. And uh... Are you feeling burnt out, overwhelmed, and disconnected from your passions? Today, our guest, Sharice Bisram, is sharing how to unlock the keys to eliminating burnout and embracing your empath nature through powerful techniques that can help you rise in your feminine energy through your passions. She is an inner power activation leader with a master's in dance with a focus in female empowerment. Learn with her today in the episode how to embrace and cultivate your empath nature and how to use it for personal growth and well-being. So let's dive into the conversation. Hello, Sharice. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. I'm so excited to dive into our topic and embracing our superpowers. I was going through your website and it just kept saying over and over, like owning your uniqueness, like your own light, which I love because my motto is keep your unique light shining. So we're definitely aligned with our mission and spreading empowerment to women. Yes, I love that so much. And isn't it wonderful that when you start to like really step into that like version of yourself and like become that, that you naturally gravitate around the same sorts of people. And I think that's just the wonderful thing about the universe is that it works in that amazing way. So yeah, it's such a lovely message. Yeah, it does. And you didn't even know that was my motto and you just reached out to me. We have different ways of how we get our guests on and yeah, right. So I'm just attracting all of my unique light vibrant messengers here yes love that (laughs) so you danced in marvel film the marvel film eternals how was Mm. that yeah do you know what um it's one of those things where i think you know it's a bucket list thing so obviously training as a dancer and all of that stuff and it's like a bucket list moment and i love marvel like i'm such a like massive super fan so it was a real moment for me and don't get me wrong, I had the best time. But equally, it was one of those realization moments where I'm like, was this really everything that I wanted it to be and more? You know, like, I mean, obviously watching yourself in the film after, incredible. But I don't have anyone's done filming work. It's really long. So it's such a long period. Like, I'm literally in about, you know, two or three seconds. I mean, the whole clip internally it itself is about right. a couple of minutes. But, you know, the clip of me is like three seconds. And it's like, you know, that took like two weeks to film pretty much. So... Don't get me wrong, it was incredible and I'm super grateful. But equally, that was, I think, the turning point for me where I was like, hmm, is dance really the only thing that I have? And that's kind of when I started delving into more, I guess, 
I've always kind of been an advocate of like doing the work and like mental health and all of that stuff. But I don't think I was aware on what level. So I think I started really to kind of dive in a bit more from that point on. It was like a quite a aha almost moment, I think, in my life really. Then that was the start of it. Yeah, I can totally relate. You're like, this is it. I've finally made it, right? There's so many people say that, right? And then you're like, mm. oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> There must be more yeah. because that was anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was all, yeah, definitely almost that 100%. I think, and I guess the combination for me as well, that that was literally finished filming the end of November 2019. So it was just before the pandemic hit, really. And I think that now when I look back is thinking that that was almost like the the stepping stone into my like deep dive mental health journey because obviously the pandemic gave us the space to really dive in, you know, in the time, which is something I never had before, because I was always running from job to job to job, doing a thousand things. I just lived in burnout. Burnout zone was my life. It was like, are you okay? I'm just really tired, guys. But this is just how I live. So it's fine. You know, like I was that person. So yeah, so much has changed since then. I'm completely different. But in all yeah, the and best you were going to move out to LA, correct? And mm. then the pandemic hit? Yeah. So it's, it's, again, one of those things, you know, like, uh, as a young aspiring dancer, and I think at the time where I graduated in England, the dance industry was still not overly diverse. And my style was commercial dance, which now is so accessible. And there's all different races, shapes and sizes that are uh, yeah, getting work. But in England at the time when I graduated, it was still limited. And I think LA was always a place where I went to and felt very seen and heard. And yeah, in terms of like, they were always so forward with the dance industry and all of that stuff that I just felt like that was where I needed to be for my career to really blossom and flourish. But then again, you know, like with the pandemic, it was like, ah, oh, do I actually want this now? Or was it because I was 10 years younger and that seemed to be the thing that I needed to do or that yeah. I wanted to do at that time? But evolution happens and not only do our, does our body mature, but our mind does and our thoughts and our wants, you know. So, yeah, I guess I would say like the dance element of my life has been very much my ego. That's always been like the point for me to prove myself and, and prove people wrong. You know, like I feel like my childhood and like my upbringing was very difficult and I feel like I had a lot of obstacles that I endured and overcame and proving to people that I could do this as a dancer was very much that drive and then mm. when I got to the point where I'd almost done that to an extent that was when I started to like look internally and think hmm how much of this is like for show and for validation and how much is it for my real deep soul's purpose really mm. yeah that's hard to delve into and separate and I'm sure there's a combination there too. Absolutely. So can we dive a little bit more into that? The childhood mm. part of, because so many of us empaths relate to having to perform to feel validated. And on top yeah. of it, some, you know, I know that you are a minority. So mm -hmm. did, did people like oversee you because you were a girl or in your environment or because the color of your skin? Can you dive a little bit deeper? Yeah. I mean, all the things. <laughs> really all, all of them where do we begin so yes I, I grew up in Kent in England I still live in Kent now and it's a lot more diverse but uh, in the area that I grew up in yeah there was only like one of three people of color in my entire year growing up at school so mm. yeah that that was difficult and I feel like 
my school schooling was fine, you know, in terms of like kids will be kids type of thing. But it was more like the outside of school. So like random people would just like shout abuse from their windows and like things like that in their car and, you know, just rubbish things. And I feel like naturally I adopted a very toxic masculine energy, but not only from my external world was very much like that and I had to defend myself. Like a big, And a big point on that as well is that I was. Just, I'm just one of these people that I just feel like things stop with me. You know, like I would never want someone to say the same thing to someone else and keep that continuation going because I didn't say anything. So naturally, I'd be like, "Who are you talking to?" Or do you want to say that again? Like, and I feel like maybe my accent as well makes it sound a lot more intimidating. But I've definitely had that intimidating way about me because of this toxic masculine energy. But you know, yeah. inside of my home as well, like I had a very volatile household. Like one of my parents was an addict. And then the only way they would communicate was through shouting. If you wanted to be heard, you had to shout back. Obviously, the mm. physical abuse side of things was there as well. Um, and then that led to two very emotionally unavailable parents. So naturally, as the oldest sibling, I stepped up to be the parent of the household. So mm. not only was I parenting my siblings, I was also parenting my parents. And it's only as I've gotten older wow. and I've done that deep dive, you know, in the pandemic, that this all came to the light to me because I didn't realise. I knew that... Um, Obviously, I had a lot of responsibility and a lot of people always say, oh, you're so wise beyond your years and all that stuff. And you just and at the time I took it as a compliment. Now I'm like, that's not a compliment, guys. That is not a compliment. I didn't have a childhood. OK, like, let you're me like, live. Uh, yeah, I lost my childhood and I was forced into be wise beyond my years. And then, like, you know, Oprah and uh, Dr. Perry have a book called What Happened to You. and They call it post-traumatic wisdom. So now I say that to people. I'm like, it's post-traumatic wisdom, guys. Thank you. <laughs> I'm traumatized. <laughs> but obviously I've been doing so much healing and I'm on the other side of that 100% now. But, you know, healing yeah. is forever. So, you know, it's always going to be things that come up and I own it. And I think that's a very big yeah. part of it. So, yeah, and obviously. During the pandemic, did you, uh, were you living alone or with them, like with your family? Yeah. So just to finish off that part of the story is that I, so this was obviously childhood into my mm-hmm. teens. And then from mm-hmm. the ages of 12 to 17, I had 11 members of my family die back to back. So just for different reasons, just mm-hmm. like, you know, because ethnic people have a lot of relatives, just generally, that's just the way we are. And yeah, it was just not for any linked reasons at all. And then my parent that was the addict, he passed away. So that was a real big shift in everything in my life. But then again, more reasons to armor up. So you know, like mm. when you go to funerals, people feel they need to say to you, I'll oh, be strong for your family. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just here being strong for everyone, you know. So layering up more armor, more armor, yeah. more armor. So you add that armor into from the childhood, from society and their expectations of, you know, like race and all of that stuff, colorism. Also being a very loud and bold female, obviously you get deemed all of those things, you know when you're being assertive that you're being aggressive and all of that stuff you know and especially being a woman of color that's just like a tidy yeah. thing they right? label you angry right Is yeah that label? that's it yeah. angry at the it's world the same, like, it's the same in america and in england i guess yeah 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 and obviously it's on so much of a larger scale in the u.s as well but yeah it, it's always been part of my identity i would say and i adopted that because again i was living in that toxic masculine energy so i kind of was speeding mm-hmm. into that as well and I almost was a bit proud of it, you know, like to walk around. It made me feel validated. And that was, yeah, obviously super toxic, which I'm aware of. But then, you know, like all of this, even in the dance industry, you know, when I came out as a dancer and I was fighting to get the jobs and not feeling seen and heard again, more armor, more armor to the point where, like I said, I lived in burnout and everything just became a little bit too heavy to carry. And then when the pandemic hit, 
I had no choice but to look at this head on because I didn't realize but as a trauma response I was keeping myself busy so I didn't have to feel and that's yeah that's the thing isn't it that's the light bulb moment we yeah and when we look back and we're like I see you I see old (laughs) version of you I know what you were doing but it's funny because now obviously I can identify it but also within the pandemic, I had my Saturn return. So I don't have anyone's into astrology or anything. Oh, like that, dear. Yeah. yeah. So it was major hit. <laughs> yeah. It was like the universe was like, you're going to deal with this to the point oh where. Wait, let me explain to them what that is first. And I just want to just pause also and really yeah. hone in. Maybe listeners are identifying with you going, yeah, I don't sit still. I don't take time for myself because I don't want to face the trauma mm. and the uncomfortable circumstances. So you keep yourself busy, busy, busy. Mm. So I just want to validate that. And we see you and we've been there. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. And you know um, what as well? That's definitely a societal narrative, isn't it? To like, yeah. you know, keep busy. If you're not being busy or lazy, it's all of these like toxic yeah. things. And I yeah. think, you know, like a lot of, again, the, the beautiful energies I'm connected with at the moment, it's all about this rise of the feminine. And I think that's also what's happening is that we've led a very masculine energy way of living. And I think this age of Aquarius that we're coming into is all about how we uh, embrace this softer way. Like I, I said this year, I was like, 2023 is soft girl era because I'm ready to just flow with ease. And that's been real something that I've been trying to adopt for the last yeah. two years since that. And I'm it not an astrologer, but I feel like Venus is in Pisces a lot yeah. or re- recently or lately. Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, can we explain what the Saturn return is for us listeners who aren't fully aware of astrology? Yeah, so it's between the ages, I think, of 28 to 32. 30. So I was turning 30. Mm-hmm. And it's almost where now, I'll get this wrong, but it's almost like a karma cycle that gets fulfilled. So it's either, it can either work positively or negatively, but either way, the outcome is what you, to get you to where you're supposed to be for your your best timeline, really, is yeah. kind of the best way I can describe it. So yeah. it's a lot of, really and truly, it links a lot to the work I do now, which is all about unlearning and I would say breaking it open. So Saturn Return broke me open into pieces and it was but it was the ego the ego self a hundred percent like spiritual awakening moment to the point where my family home that I've lived in for 29 years I fell down the stairs and um that was the universe's way of saying to me open up because from that point I cried for like 20 minutes now I'm a person that hasn't cried for a very long time openly I cried like behind closed doors I was one of those people and uh, yeah, I just cried for a solid 20 minutes. And that was like being acknowledging. I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this now. And that was the shift of energy that I needed to do to dive into the work. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is because obviously in the pandemic, there, as a dancer, what do you do? So I thought, right, I'm going to go back into education. So I did my master's in that time. And the research I was looking into, I wanted to really specialize in female empowerment, which I did, which was amazing. But the research I did was looking into how dance has helped as an intervention to trauma funny enough Mm. so subliminally didn't realize that was what I was doing and it came (laughs) up with a lot of the case studies I was looking into I was thinking hmm that's a bit familiar or oh okay why does that sound like that's something I know or I feel and then I did this exam I don't know if you have it in the US but it's called ACEs and it's adverse childhood experiences and it's the test that you fill out and I scored an eight out of ten ten being the worst and I was like 
Okay, so yeah, we've got severe childhood trauma. And then that was obviously the deep dive then. So from that point on, I started diving into what it all meant. And I feel like even though I've been a dancer, I very much enjoy learning. Like I've always been consistently reading books, journaling, like I've always been quite holistic in my ways of like doing things, like even down to, you know, what I put in my body. I'm quite mindful. I've always been subconsciously quite mindful of all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, I guess that's the, the journey. And it was funny because I, my aunt, she's a foster carer. And she said to me in that time when this all came up, she said, the thing is, Cherie, she was like, you've spent your whole life trying to be strong physically and mentally. And that's where you've armoured yourself up so much that you're not only letting anyone in, but you're also not letting anything out. And I was like, yeah. And, and that really was like shifting in my life. So the last couple of years have just been the journey of healing, the le- journey of self-discovery, lots of unlearning like narratives that I've believed for so long. And, you know, like I would really, I can say wholeheartedly that I'm definitely a cycle breaker in my family as well, because, you know, from looking at my family now, I can still see relatives that are still following the same patterns that they, um, yeah, I guess, societal narratives but also within our lineage and all of this stuff and I just again like I said about the bullying thing or the racism thing I I just am that person that everything stops with me like when I know it and I understand it I can then dissect it and move through it and I think that's a big part of yeah like I said the work I do now and I think it's a really beautiful space to be in because I cannot tell you how heavy my life felt like really truly like I used to have a pain and not in my stomach all the time and I did breath work and that's something shifted in my body. And I used to suffer from IBS. Now, not I, I was unaware that IBS was linked to childhood trauma. But when obviously all of that connected and it shifted, I was like, wow, this is just crazy that things can feel easy. And it was always like I couldn't believe it. You know, like I was like, wow, like this is not meant to feel hard. Like I'm not meant to feel like I'm pushing against everything my whole life. So, yeah, it's been a really... Mm profound journey it's been difficult but I always say that uphill climb to the top of the mountain the view from the top is so worth it and obviously there's more mountains to climb in our lifetime but yeah from where I'm at right now the peace that I have in my life is something that I didn't think was attainable I'd never knew that you could live like this in this space and that's why it's so powerful for me to do this work that I'm doing because I've been through it and I feel it and I understand Mm. it and I think you know, when you can resonate with people on that such deep level, I think that's where beautiful transformation, it has a space to grow. That's a beautiful Saturn return experience. And just for everyone else, it cycles. The planet returns natally at where the the spot on your natal chart where you were born. So, I mean, you've already had such a beautiful Saturn return. I got divorced and left my narcissist during my Saturn return. And I can't wait to see what both of our second Saturn returns look like around the age of 60. We're going to be just like rock stars. I know, amazing. (laughs) Before we go into commercial break, tell us one influential film that impacted you. Yeah, so this this film has been the biggest impact in my life, actually. And it's Selena, you know, with uh, Jennifer Lopez. When I watched that film at about seven years old, and I've always done dancing, when I watched that film... There was something about her life story that just made me feel like I could be anything I wanted to be. And I think that feeling of, again, that validation that I was searching for, but also knowing I've always had this inner knowing that I was meant for more. 
like more than my time, my family, whatever it was. And I think when you're young, I think the idea of being a star is that thing. But obviously now I know it's so internal and deep, but you know, I've always been great at performing. I'm not going to take that away from myself, but that was the moment (laughs) where I was like, I need to be on stage. I was like, I need to be on stage. I need to shine like Selena. And I think seeing a person of color as well, you know, like in that environment. Yeah. I really identified just with her so much and her struggle to success and all of that. And I think that was a real, yeah, that was definitely a life-changing moment for me. When you search empath and the narcissist on Amazon for materials to read, what do you find? A whole bunch of pages full of the same title, Um, empath and the narcissist. hmm. So how do you determine which book is the one to read? Well, that's up to you. But all I can tell you about my book is it shares snippets of my story of how I didn't always exude confidence. I didn't always have the peace of mind. On the contrary, I emitted a sense of insecurity that was palpable. I people pleased everyone at the expense of my own health. I hated myself and I lashed out when I couldn't take it anymore. And in my book, I relate to you, dear empath, so you can read the words and know that you're not alone. That is the main goal of the book. The second goal of my book is to give you tools that I use to find my strength, to leave the narcissist, and to heal and be on the complete other side of the dark abyss. I am meant to be here on earth to help you heal and transform from your trauma, from being a survivor to a thriver. You gain healing exercises at the end of each chapter. It's a guidebook to heal your childhood trauma. It has effective somatic healing exercises. It has astrology and how to understand and know your true authentic self with a human design chapter, giving you a brief overview of the human design 101. If you wish to feel alive again and take back the power in your life, then scroll up and click the link in the show notes to listen on Audible or buy your hard copy or paperback on Amazon today. And by the time you get to the end of the book, you're going to be wondering, what exactly does my human design chart say about me? Grab your human design unique blueprint reading on a call with me to help you identify how magnificent you are and how unique your energetic blueprint is here and how much you are needed for your impact. That in the link in the show notes at ravenscott.show forward slash shop. amazing. So I want to share a quote that I pulled from your website because I thought it was beautiful. And can we expand upon this? You're identifying as a cycle breaker, having childhood trauma. So many of us empaths listening can relate to this. And you share, it's time to unlearn outdated systematic societal narratives. And we've been taught and become the lead characters of our own stories. Can you expand upon that? Yeah, so it's time to become the lead character of our own stories. It's like, you know, I think as women, we are almost put to the side, you know, like it was never expected of women to be more than a caregiver, more than, you know, a housewife, whatever it is, you know, like it was always the background or the supporting role. And I think that, again, is a societal narrative from the masculine energy that has consume the earth you know and I think as we as I said the rise of the feminine is is proving that we are shifting that which is beautiful but I think because that's always been ingrained in us even at schooling women were always from when I was at school it was like you were to be a secretary or like something to do with cooking or 
haberdashery. You know, it was never like you could never be the CEO or, you know, like you could never own your own company. That wasn't really pushed, you know. And I think that's something that is outdated. Like, and I go into schools, I do a lot of workshops and things like that in schools. And it, for me, it's all about, you know, we can be whatever we want to be. And I think we should be teaching children that as well, you know, in terms of like, you can reach for the stars and you will get there. And if you believe yourself, then the whole universe conspires in your favor. And I, I do think I'm a living example of that because, you know, everything I've done in my life and been to, I have had to do on my own. Like I have had limited support in it. Don't get me wrong. There's been friends and family that have been by my side, but it's me doing the work. And it's almost yeah. like I've had to believe in myself so much that they start to believe in me. It's never been like, oh, I'm sure you'd be fine. Yeah, give it a go. It's never been that. It's like, I'm going to do this thing. And they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. They're like, <laughs> okay. So it's almost like, you know, we have to be brave enough to to just mm-hmm. take those layerings off. Like, I think we, when we hear something over and over again, we we believe it and we adopt it. And what I'm saying is just throw that away. I had my family used to call me fat all the time. I was never fat, but my sister was so slim that I was always the fat one. So my whole life, I believed I was fat. And then I got to 23 and I was like, what? Well, I thought, why did I believe that? And I, I thought I was ugly. I thought all these things. And it was so deeply ingrained in my body and my soul about all these things that I'd like clung on to because that was what people said. So I should believe it. And then I got to a point, I was like, wow, I can really just unlearn all of that stuff. Like I can really just take all of that off and I can just step through and be the main character. And a massive part of that shift is retraining my subconscious minds. And uh, I was doing that just so oblivious to actually how much it was affecting my subconscious mind. I just did it as a thing because I thought it was a good idea and it was affirmations, you know, and mantras creating that those of my own to repeat all the time. So my brain was like, okay, this is the new narrative now. And that's Isn't just so how powerful how, I mean, it seems so easy, but mm. it does take repetition. So it's hard yes. and dedication and discipline. But once you can get there, you can rewire your mind. Absolutely. Yeah. And all these things, like I, I host a inner child meditation and it's like all these bricks of the fears and the trauma and the expectations that our parents and their parents and grandparents put onto us. That's all what's keeping us small and safe and having to rewrite that is so simple yet takes so much discipline it's possible yeah and you know what that is the word there isn't it discipline and I think I've been speaking about that so much at the moment like discipline and consistency and you know what's really powerful for me on my journey is that dance has taught me that Mm. so naturally without realizing I've had really great consistency and dedication to everything I've done in my life. So it's very easy for me to pick up habits, like healthy habits, because of that, just having to go to class and having to do these things, having to stretch, having to move my body. So because it's been ingrained in me from such a young age, I find it quite easy to do that because I've always done it. Do you know what I mean? So I think when you have been in a situation where you haven't had any discipline in your life, and I can use my sister as an example, because we're... 11 months apart but the way we deal with things is completely different and I would say and she would openly say as well that she hasn't done any of the healing work but she finds it hard to stay consistent because she's never had a reason to be consistent whereas dancers gave me that so I I take you know like I give dance that salute because I'm like thank you for showing me that door and that's why dance is still an important practice in my life because it adds so much depth to other things it's not just surface 
in that respect, you know, as a, you, to using it as a tool. Yeah. And another great reason why to get our young generations into something where they need to apply discipline to their lives, whether it be a musical instrument or sports or dance or something like that. Mm, I'm a firm advocate of that. All of that, all of the arts, that's, it's not Mm. lost. So we need to fight to keep those programs in the schools. Yeah, it's so important. So uh, can you share with us three or four tips on how you were able to release your conditioning and fear to be uniquely you? Absolutely. So these are the things that I teach in my uh, programs. So everything that I teach is based on my own lived experience. I'm one of these people that doesn't believe in not doing something myself. I feel like lead by example. That's just who I am as a person. So I know a lot of programs out there and people out there that are doing the life coach thing that have done a life coaching course and just think cool I'm a life coach but for me it's like what life have you lived do you know what I mean it's like all of <laughs> yeah, that yeah. all of that stuff so I'm I'll not, have to pull not up your human design chart I'm sure you have role model line six in there somewhere yeah I do yeah I've looked at my I'm a manifesting generator of that so because they're five one maybe five one I think it is. Well, you're a five one yeah I think so, I'm sure a martyr I think that one is which is sharing your story what you're doing Mm, your life there we go yeah so I guess for me I say there's two umbrellas of things that we can do I say a mental release is needed so that could be journaling which is a massive part of my life I've actually created my own journal for this with different kind of prompts and breaks down breakdowns but as long as you're getting a a release of some sort where you're able to let go of your thoughts because I feel like what happens is in our brain it's like a computer with loads of tabs open It just goes into overdrive and it crashes. So your brain needs something to release, a mental release, to let go of all of these things that are in your brain. It could even be down to like, if you don't like writing pen and paper, even though pen and paper is so powerful, you can write it on your phone or you can soundboard. So, you know, going to therapy or talking to a friend or, you know, talking with anyone, even a voice note to yourself on your phone, that, that equally just gets it out of your head and out of your body because then it's not clogging up that space and giving you that fog where you can't see clearly. I've lived there my whole life. You know, I'm an advocate for this. I know it works. It's what I need to do. If I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm like, cool, we need to write this down. And actually, I do tend to write pretty much every day in some form or format. Uh, Can I ask uh, you, what is your head center? Do you know if it's defined or undefined? Your top triangle? I will check for you. Okay. (laughs) I'll check for you in a minute. Give a gun who is overwhelmed. With everyone else's thoughts, if it's open, yes. write it down. No. It's applicable because yeah. sometimes you have a consistent way when you have it defined, and there's so many thoughts that keep circling in your head that you got to get it out to. Yeah, absolutely that. And I think like, that me covers the mental release aspect of it. You know, some form of way you need to get it out of your brain and out of your body, which links to the body part, so the physical aspect. So with mm-hmm. the physical aspect, say like anxiety and depression are almost like uh, knots either in your chest or the pit of your stomach. And it's like an energetic block. So what happens is when we do a physical release, we shift that energy out of the block and then it dissipates and it can leave the body. So again, it's like this clog up of it's, it's blocking your pathways, basically. And a physical release can be something as easy as going for a walk especially a walk in nature you know like um especially have interconnected um and there's like so much like telekinetic energy and all these beautiful things that absorb your frequencies if you're into that you know but you know even just like moving your body we for, are we're for, like, into that here 
That's, that's what I love. I'm here for it. I could go so woo-woo, but I keep it PG. I talk to trees all the time. <laughs> yes. Trees, flowers, everything. Nature. Yes. We're here yes. for it. Um, so going for walks, even, you know, three minutes, put your favorite song on and just move your body. Shaking, shake everything out. You know, I like, always do that. There's also, um, thing, I know a lot of people do the tapping, which is amazing. Um, yeah, going to the gym, going to physical activity, running, anything that's going to get your um, and, and body to move and if you are feeling super heavy that means there's more pressure in terms of the physicality that you're doing so if you are feeling like heart wrenching pain in your chest something big movement wise is going to help you shift that and break that open but equally if you're not able to just a consistent amount of walking you know for a couple of days in a row would make a difference I would just say start small like um, you could write for three days and move your body for three days for just three minutes that would make a world of difference I don't know why I said three but it came out so there must be a connection there to three I like what that angel number is we'll have a look at that and upon her request I'm looking up what 333 means and what it means is you are aligned with your angels receiving 333 as an angel message is a cause for confidence and peace it means that you are aligned with your angels and you will reach your goals. You can be confident in your abilities and explore all possibilities open for you. Since 333 is linked to 9, if you add all the 3 together, it equals 9. This number contains similar vibrations, which promote spiritual growth and completion, as well as opportunities to heal the world around you, known as light work. With the amplified creative energies of three, you will be able to increase manifestation. At this point in time, it is essential to maintain control and communicate clearly with those around you and contact your spirit guides. 333 also may be pointing you to an opportunity to learn from an ascended master like Virgin Mary, Quan Yin, who has come near to you. As you talk with your Ascended Master, your heart must be open for any wisdom they share. Take this moment to recognize your life purpose and utilize your talents correctly as you are true to yourself and your desires. You will be, you will be better positioned to manifest long-term success. It is essential to listen to your truth at this time and not allow yourself to become derailed by negative opinions or advice from other people. This is a quote from my favorite book, Spiritual Meanings of Numbers. How to embrace the synchronicities and angel numbers and achieve the magic of manifestation by Belle Motley. Um, so um, your human design um, at the headline. Um, yeah. So I'd, I'm not sure what that part the would shape. be. It's the a triangle. triangle shape. Is it white or is it colored? It looks colored. Your your phone screen looks rainbow, but it looks yellow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yellow. The top one's yellow. Yeah. yeah you have both head and ashna, and your throat defined. You are here to share love, and your head center is. You have a consistent way of receiving messages. So yeah, that makes sense. Everything's kind of circling in there, and you just gotta. That's how I am too. I have to get it out so I can stop thinking about it. Yeah. People who have the open head center, they have so many random ideas that. It's also helpful to write it down so you can release it because maybe it's for you. Maybe it's not for you. 
Mm, absolutely oh I love that so much I've only ever kind of done the outside sort of bit of human design so I don't know the depths of it so it's really lovely to hear all of that stuff but yeah yeah, I just think um more than anything you know with with a lot of this stuff for me is is like when it's out of your body you don't carry the weight of it and I think that's the thing as well about sharing which is really important I think if you have a really nice tight-knit group of friends or family that just can support you and just soundboard that's really important and I think a bit of advice I've been giving out lately because people have been asking like how do you know the difference how do you you know when do you give advice when do you not I think um, to ask people or say what I need from the conversation before I start so I might say to my friends um I really need to talk about something I just need to vent so you don't need to give me advice it's just for me to let it out um, be helpful way because I think a lot of people again it's been pre-programmed in our minds to be fixers we don't need to fix anyone it's not a problem yeah. we don't need to fix it but equally if someone says can I have your advice then that's when you can offer your advice so I think we have to be very specific on what it is we want and that goes for all areas of our life especially as people pleasers and especially as empaths I feel like <laughs> you know naturally we're just like what can I do to help you? Can I fix everything? Can I take you in and nurture you? It's, it's all of these things, right? But yes. my key here is nurture yourself first, love yourself first and make sure you're investing that time and energy into your own space. Because, you know, like I always say like we are the center of our whole universe. How we feel about ourselves internally is what is projected onto the outside. So, you know, it is all about if you're feeling there's space here where you want to help someone and you want to go above and beyond what you need to do, there's a sign there that something is disconnected for you. You know, like what is that bringing up? And that could be a childhood wound. That could be um, something from relationship trauma. That could even just be, you know, a bit of ego. And it, and it's just, it's nice to identify what exactly it is because when we call something by its name, we take away its power. So if it's something that is... Um, affecting you like I always feel like you know like when people are saying oh I've got a knot in my chest and I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed I'm like that's anxiety and you know like that's something when they know what it is they're like oh okay that makes sense but I think because anxiety depression and all of these um states of being have so much complexity to them they're not always easy to define you know but there's some sort of connection to it and I think we won't always know the answers but I think when we can kind of have some inkling of what it is and I think naturally as women, but also men have this ability, you know, feminine, masculine energy, all of that stuff. It's the um, intuition and our gut will always tell us, you know, what's wrong, if something's not right, if something feels off, you know, and it's about the more we tune into understanding how our minds process and things, feeling how our body feels, we will then intuitively feel what needs to be done. Like sometimes I feel like I just need to breathe deeply for a little for a few minutes and I'm a massive meditator like I meditate for like I would say probably 20 minutes in the morning 20 minutes at night um that I don't time myself like some nights I'll probably check my time before I go to bed and I've been sitting there for like an hour and a half and I'm like wow I didn't even realize I was doing that but I think that again is something you build up but from being in a place of toxic masculinity constant force constant burnout I now know that it's so important for me to remain consistent and to remain disciplined because the way I feel right now in this comfortable state of in my feminine energy, probably predominantly, I would say at harmony, you know, with my masculine energy, I do not want to experience what I used to feel like before. 
So the feeling of how I feel now keeps me consistent because I don't want to go back to that. So it means being disciplined. It means, you know, setting my alarm that extra hour early because I need to do my morning routine. Um, and I used to be a morning person at all. And, and don't get me wrong, I think compared to a lot of people, I'm still not a morning person, but I'm <laughs> making more effort to be up earlier to do this because um, I feel like it's worth it. But equally, if I wanted to be up later and do do the routine an hour late, it wouldn't make a difference, you know, but I think it's for my own self to feel like, you know, we have to, what can we work on? You know, I'm always that person, yeah. like, how can I be well, better? And I think that. And it sets the tone of your day. I think there's something to be said about like setting away some time in your calendar intentionally waking up to first journal meditate move your body walk that mm. really sets the tone of your day so yeah Absolutely. it's always great to do it whenever you want but that's probably the the main motivation to do it first thing in the morning mm. yeah yeah 100 percent. it's just um yeah gun and then it will set you up absolutely yeah yeah Thank you for those. Those are so powerful. I have those written down. It will be noted in the show notes and highlighted. So share with us a bit of your work and if you have anything to, uh, as a gift or anything to share with the audience. Yeah. So um, call myself a self-love and empowerment mentor. So I basically take the participants through the journey of self-discovery and I unlearn, help them unlearn and unpack all these limited beliefs and the things that hold us back from being our most fullest self and I always say that we all have a little light inside of us that shines really bright and really beautifully but it gets covered up by all of these limiting beliefs so what I'm doing is taking these layers off and I help the participants build a solid foundation of self-worth understanding self-knowledge self-compassion to build real true authentic self-love so that light can shine out so brightly and so unapologetically and that will lead you and set you up for the rest of your life and whatever you choose to do or be so have a few programs. I think at the time this will air, I would have just finished my first six week programs, but I will run that course again in a couple of, probably a couple of weeks or a month, couple of months times. So that'll be six weeks. And it's just um, taking participants through the journey in a sister circle. So you get the support of the sisters. Um, mm -hmm. And then I have like one day intensives to work with me and we do like a real uncovering of lots of deep stuff and I'll give um for self-love obviously embedded within that and then I have containers for three month clients that's um work with me on a one-to-one -one basis and then also six months so if you are looking for real deep healing or just looking for confidence building but on a real um authentic level that's the work that I do it's not surface work with me it's the real deep under the surface work that's um I've seen about maybe you don't even realize there's blocks there and we'll just uncover all of that stuff to get you to that rich good center that you deserve to be in um mm -hmm. I also have a journal available that I've made so that is available for purchase as well and that's a, about empowerment and all of the things that I basically teach are all in this one workbook and um, I'll send your listeners, I don't know how we'll do this now, but we'll figure it out. It'll either be a link or something like that. And I'll send some journal prompts so people can get a taste of kind of doing a little bit of work in terms of journaling. So it'll work as some prompts that can kind of get people thinking. And then that might inspire you to either get the journal or if you feel like you need some sessions with me, obviously that will be open too. But the journal, you can just, um, the worksheet, you can do as many times as you need to forever. Even if you wanted to do it every day, there'd be um, better that. Yeah, perfect. However you want to share, if you want to share like a Dropbox link, and then I'll link it here yeah. as a free offering in the show notes, in the blog page. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I think thank you for that. 
Yeah, no problem. I, I think most importantly, I just feel like um, one of my greatest sayings that I use all the time is that you are the only you there is, and that is your superpower. So I feel like, you know, if the more we understand ourselves, the more we know ourselves, the more we can stand in that true power. And it's accepting ourselves fully and, again, shining that beautiful light out to the world because I think everyone deserves to feel their most fullest, their most strongest, their most beautiful, their most powerful self. And um, it's really why I'm sharing my story and I hope it helps someone else. Mm, so inspiring. You're definitely leading into your line five martyr where it's like, this was my life experience and here is how you can not experience that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And empowering life. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that with me as well because that's really nice to hear. It is. That's why I love human design. You just like, you feel so seen and heard. You're like, yes, that is it. Mm, yeah. That's such a deep, like, you learn something new every day. There you go. Yep. yep. There you go. Beautiful. Well, thank you again, Sharice, for being here and sharing your beautiful light and wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute joy. Shout out to another amazing listener who's written and sent in a review, Be Brave 1992. Love this show. Five-star review. Thank you so much. Raven has some of the best information I have heard on narcissists and their tactics. She also gives easy-to-understand information on human design. She has some awesome guests on the show, too. It is for sure worth listening to. I appreciate that review and keep sending your reviews in. Let me know any topics that you want to talk about. I believe with this particular listener, I actually had the chance in the DMs to ask her, what's the next human design you want to learn about? And she gave me her feedback, which you all can send your feedback in, that we're going to be talking about the centers. So tune in Tuesdays to catch all everything to learn about each of your centers in your chart. I really, truly enjoyed this conversation with Sharice today. And for all of you note takers out there, how to retrain your subconscious mind to be empowered and to rise up. Number one is in your mental release through journaling, which I love personally, the full moon journal and release ritual you can find in the 10 day how to overcome your pain audio series. That's free. You can grab that in the link in the show notes. Number two is move physical. You move your physical body. Get moving. Move all of that body to get those blocks removed. Number three is sharing with trustworthy friends. Having a community and a group to help you, which you can join if you don't have anyone around you. The Empath Healing Community who doesn't understand being a survivor of narcissistic abuse. Number four is identify and name it. This takes the power away from that negative feeling. If you want a personal help in gaining clarity, your authentic power back, and healing to be rid of the narcissist for good, join our empath community. You receive weekly inspiration and strategies to heal from narc abuse and understand your unique human design energy blueprint. And as soon as you're in, I'll gift you your human design reading with your type, strategy, and inner authority. So join now and get your reading within 24 hours.
I'm so grateful for you listening, finding the show, and sharing it with your friends. It would give a great boost in the heart-centered algorithm to rate and review this podcast if you are enjoying it. Take a screenshot, share it on your socials, share it in a text message to a friend that you know right now needs to be pulled out of the quicksand. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. I just want to make it last Try to let go of the past I close my eyes, embrace the blast Sleepless nights and headaches stack Restlessness to hell and back What's my purpose? What do I grab? A slippery surface, a heart attack And sometimes you just gotta believe There's something that'll give you relief There's something that'll have what you need What you need We're broken, it's tragic, we're not all elastic, but maybe there's magic, believe.